taking our Bible reading this morning from 2 Kings chapter 4. We'll start in verse 38. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 38. And Elisha came again to Gilgal, and there was a dearth in the land, and the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said unto his servant, Set on the great pot, and seethe pottage for the sons of the prophets. And one of them went out, and one went out into the field and gathered herbs and found a wild vine and gathered thereof wild gourds, his lapful, and came and shred them into the pot of pottage, for they knew them not. So they poured out for the men to eat, and it came to pass as they were eating of the pottage that they cried out and said, O thou man of God, there is death in the pot, and they could not eat thereof. But he said, Then bring meal, and he cast it into the pot. And he said, Pour out for the people, and they may, that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. Let's look to the Lord in prayer this morning. Mr. Larson, can you stand and pray for the message, messenger? We thank you, Father, for an opportunity to come and gather in your presence to assemble before you today. God, Give our pastor the words to speak and open our hearts that we might receive your word. Then we might grow. We might become better men of God and better Christians that we might serve you and go out into the world and show others what it is to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Preaching this morning on the title of the message, Neutralizing the Poison. Neutralizing the Poison. By now, if you haven't realized... We are living in a world full of sin and poison. Sin and all of its fruits have infected everything from billion people, nations, to small households. And whether we like it or not, this is all we have. We cannot get into a spaceship and fly to a planet free of sin. We cannot flip a switch and stop destruction for the moment. We have been given this big old pot of stew, and we are going to have to eat it, whether we like it or not. Here in our Bible reading, we see Elisha, not Elijah, Elisha. Elisha was a servant of Elijah until God took Elijah, and Elisha became I guess you could say the head prophet there in Israel. You remember reading about that, about uh, Elisha seeing Elijah being taken up in the chariot of fire and his mantle falling. Elisha picking it up and saying, God, give me a double portion. And that's what we've got to pray tonight. God, give me a double portion of the Spirit. Lord, give me a fresh anointing of that oil. He became this head prophet there in Israel. Now here in our Bible reading, they, they, we see a group of people called the sons of the prophets. Or the sons of the prophet. This was not a group of children whose dad was a prophet. But a group of prophets, or as we could say maybe a guild of them, that God had raised up. 
a group of prophets. And when you think of prophet, you think of someone who has knowledge of future events. But that isn't all. The Hebrew word for prophet is navai, usually considered a loan word from the word akadian, nabu, which means to proclaim, mention, call, summon. In the Old Testament days, God had his priests that served in the temple, but the priests were not God's voice to the people. Their job was service in the temple, the sacrifices, making atonement for the people, things of that nature. So God used prophets to be his voice to the people. The prophets, God, was, they, the prophet's job was to proclaim the word of the Lord to the people, the will of God to the people. The prophets were God's spokesmen. And still are. Yes, sir. Still are. Sometimes pastor, preacher, evangelist, whatever it is, they're all interchangeable with the word prophet. Now we gotta be careful. A lot of people like to go around and call themselves prophets in the church because they you know, could try to predict something or reveal something of knowledge. And they do have them in church. In churches, God did give some prophets, some evangelists, some this and some that. I'm talking about the people who say, I am a prophet of the church. But we know what the Bible says about that. But we're not talking about that today. So here we are. We had a school of prophets, preachers, sitting there with Elisha. Their headmaster. There in verse 38 it says that, it, that there was a, a dearth in the land. The word dearth means a scarcity or a lack of something. Essentially a famine in this case. And there is a dearth of good old fashioned Christianity in our world, nation, and homes. With church attendance dropping in the country, we are starting to see its effects. And COVID has not helped either. COVID has not helped church attendance. It has hurt church attendance. And, you know, we got podcasts, we got Facebook, we've got YouTube services. Uh, many churches are doing all this stuff. But it's got to come a time that... Yes, it, it's been useful. We've been able to get the message out to people in countries where they, don't, they can't have church, where they cannot meet in the name of Jesus. They can't do certain things. So these podcasts and these YouTubes and Facebooks have been a blessing for those people. But for those who come to the house of God, who are, should be in the house of God, who have said, you know what, I'll just sit at home and Facebook it, that's not good. And there's got to come a time where I think we need to shut it all down. We need to shut down the Facebook services and the YouTubes and the podcasts so people can't use that as an excuse. Right. Get them back in church. I, was, I, I remember a gentleman back when uh, I had gotten saved and then this was a serviceman's home, a uh, church that had a home for the uh, GIs, the American soldiers. Uh, you guys know what it is. Other people listening don't know. But it's a place that uh, the GIs can come. Those in the military can come. Christian GIs can come and really grow in God to get away from the military base and the sin that's on the military base. And they can come there and they can live there and have Bible studies and whatnot. 
And we, we, sometimes we'd open it up for the entire church so those that weren't in the military can come and, and have fellowship with us there at the home. And I remember one gentleman coming and he sat down in the house and he said, you know, I feel the peace of God in this house. And his household, they weren't Christians. We know and he lived right down the road from the church and he had nieces and nephews and they were always fighting and going crazy and there was drugs in the house and everything. But he was the lone man standing in that family and he came here to the hall and he said, I feel the peace of God in this house. We need God in our homes. We need God in our households. There's a dearth in the land. The sad thing is that although there is a spiritual famine, where there is a spiritual buffet laid out before people, they choose not to partake. Ever since I got saved, I've attended church and been a part of God's work. Every week I've been in church in some form or fashion. Not, and multiple times too. Not just once a week. Multiple times with a Bible study, multiple services, or whatever the case may be. Ever since I've gotten saved, and that was back in 2010, it was weird. Really, really weird not to have been able to go to any church when they had the initial COVID lockdown. I didn't know what to do with myself. Wake up on a Sunday morning and not have church? It was weird. Not being able to be among the saints in the middle of the week? It was a weird feeling. But as soon, as soon, let me tell you, as soon that they started talking about reopening churches, as soon as they said, okay, you can go back to church with limited capacity, I was there. I went back, and I'm still here in church. And I didn't wait. I just said, you know, I really enjoyed not being in church. It was nice sleeping in on Sunday mornings or not having to go out in the middle of the week. No, I didn't say that. I said, oh, I can't wait to get back into the house of God. And I got here, and I'm still here. Amen. Rain, snow, or sleet. Well, snow, we did cancel that one service, but that was for, for an abundance of safety. But if it were to start snowing now, we would not leave until the service is over. Amen. Praise God. Elisha, caring for his students, commanded his servant to make them some pottage. Essentially a stew or soup, whatever, it doesn't matter. Make them some food. So he went, and due to the dearth, there wasn't much available. But he did find something. There in verse 39 says, And the one went out into the field to gather herbs, and found a wild vine, and gathered thereof wild gourds his lapful. And he came and shred them into the pot of porridge, for he knew, for they knew them not. A gourd kind of looks, you've seen them, they're kind of like weird looking, they got bumps on them. Uh, you see them in that uh, big old... Uh, during Thanksgiving time at the grocery store, they had that big old shelf, whatever, in the, the produce section. They got all these weird-looking pumpkins and uh, uh, squashes. And so it's a gourd. It's really weird-looking. And supposedly it's related to the cucumber family, uh, a typical gourd, but whatever. So he took this gourd. Say, no, oh, this looks good. This looks like we can eat this. There's nothing else around here. I was commanded to bring some food, to make some soup. And that's what he did. He took, he took a lapful, a whole bunch. You know, it's, it is good to know what kind of food we are picking. 
And it's also kind of good to know who we're listening to. If we are going to do some uh, YouTube services throughout the week, if you find some church that's broadcasting, it's good to know what they're preaching. It's good to know what we're ingesting spiritually. Now, some, com some commentators, like I said, have made a suggestion to what kind of gourd this was, but we're unsure. All we know is once he had added the, to this gourd to the pot, the food became deadly. It said he shredded this plant and put it in the pot. See, sin doesn't present itself in large pieces sometimes. You don't just boom, instantly, next thing you know, you're addicted to the highest drug. And you don't instantly, boom, there's sin in large amounts dropped at your front door. Sin creeps in piece by piece, shred by shred. And this is what was happening. He shredded this uh, gourd into the pot. If he had cut it up into large pieces, it would have been easier for them just to fish it out. A little white lie is still a lie. A little sin is still sin. Once ready, the prophets began to eat it and realized that there was something wrong. Thank God for those who follow Jesus to how they can notice something that's not right. How we can go and talk to somebody and we know that there's something going on in their life. And sometimes they'll try to hide stuff from you. You go to visit somebody and you're looking around the house. You know you're there in love. You're not there to judge them, but you're in there in love. But then you notice certain things on their, on their kitchen table or something on their coffee table. Maybe they're hiding that booze under the kitchen table. They knew you were coming, so they just chucked it. You don't think the preacher's going to see that? Oh, he's going to see it. Why? Because God sees it. Right. You, you may hide something from the preacher. You may be smart enough to get around it, and that's okay. But you're going to be caught by God. Right. And God is the one who makes that final judgment. Yeah. But they began to eat it, this pot of pottage, and they knew something wasn't right. But they had options that day. They had options. They could have tried, like I said, to fish the gourd out, but it was shredded in the pot, so it would have been a waste of time. Or they could have thrown the whole pot out. They could have dumped the whole entire meal. But remember what I said, that there was a dearth in the land. They couldn't just pour it out and go somewhere else. Same thing what I said here in the introduction. We can't just go and find a private island full of Christians. We can't escape this world before it's our time. We've been given this pot, this life, this world. And we're going to have to deal with it. We're going to have to live in it. Can't just throw it all out. Can't just give up on God because things get tough. Man. We've been given this big pot of life. We either eat it and get sick and die, or we dump it and starve to death. We have two options in life either serve God or serve Satan, walk in the Spirit or live in sin. As I've said before, you know, we're all a different age here. If, if that's what it comes to, where we die of our old age or whatever, 
whether it's in 50 years. So let's do that. Let's do, no, let's do 60 years. 60 years, we're going to be in one of two places if we die, which we will, based on everybody's age in here. Most people don't live past 80, maybe in the 80, 90 time frame, they pass away of old age. But we're going to be in one of two places in 60, 70 years, if not sooner. Think about that. One of two places. They say all roads, all roads lead to Rome. Our life is going to lead to heaven or hell. We have two options in life. Serve God or serve Satan. For Elisha, for Elisha and the prophets, neither of the two options was applicable. Like I said, they couldn't throw it out. They did. They'd starve if they ate it as it was. They'd get sick. And if there's already a famine, the last thing you want to do is get sick, throw up the food that you just ate, have some other issues. It was hard enough finding the gourds. Let it alone going to find something that wasn't going to make them sick. We cannot just dump out the pot of our life. There is no way of simply picking out the bad from it either. Everyone, I mean, everywhere we go, there is sin and destruction. Everywhere we go, we can't just pick it out. It's not like a hamburger. You pick off the onions and pick off the pickles. My wife picks off the pickles. She gives them to me. I like them. Especially the McDonald's ones, because they already got the ketchup and a couple pieces of onions on it. I love those. Those are great. <laughs> we cannot just pick stuff off our sandwich. Can't pick the stuff out of the pot. We can get rid of certain sins in our life. But we can't get rid of the stuff that's out there that we end up running into. I always like to use the billboard illustration. You're just innocently driving down the road. On your way to work. On your way to church. And boom. There's a billboard half naked person on there. Boom. There's a billboard tempting you back into your own. Your past sin. You didn't put it up there. And billboards change all the time. Maybe it wasn't there last time you drove down that road. But now it's up this time. We can get rid of sin in our life. Yes. But what about everything around us? You can't get rid of sin out of somebody else's life. They have to do that. And for many believers, they get overwhelmed by the sin of others that they fall back into it themselves. Rarely can a Christian survive in a non-Christian household. I, it's very rare you see that. And how they could be... And it happens and they got to be real faithful. John chapter 17 verse 15 Jesus praying to the Father says I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world but thou but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil Jesus was saying Father I'm not asking you to take them out of the world right now Don't just rapture them up to heaven with me when I rise from the from my uh, death in the resurrection but Father, keep them in the world. But keep them from evil. We're not leaving this world until we either die physically or the rapture. 
We got to get that in our heads. We're not going anywhere until God says it's time to go. We got to realize, remember, that this is where God wants us to be now. God wants us in this world. He needs us in this world. He did not call the angels to be witnesses. He did not call the angels to preach the gospel. He called us to do it. Paul said in Philippians 1 and 3, For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Paul was ready to die and go see Jesus. He had enough of this life. He had enough of this world. But he also saw the bigger picture. Being alive meant that he could still preach the gospel. Being alive means he could still reach men and women for Christ. God needs us in this world so he can continue to have mercy on the world. We cannot go anywhere else. We don't have another life to choose from. The pot that we've been given is full of poison. So what should we do? Eat it or throw it out? Do we eat this poison pot or throw it out? But Elisha, he had a different solution. See, with God, it's not this or that in a sense of blessings. It's not this or that in the way of God opening a door. Where there's two doors, God will make a third. When there is no way through, God will make a way. So you're looking at the situation. Either we eat the pot or throw it out. God says, Elisha, why don't you do this instead? I'm going to create a third way for you. I have a different way. So they poured out for the men to eat, and it came to pass as they were eating of the pot that they cried out and said, O oh man, thou man of God, there is death in the pot, and they could not eat thereof. But he said, bring, Then bring meal. And he cast it into the pot. And he said, Pour out for the people that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. Elisha said, bring me some flour. Simple flour. And put it in the pot. Now, flour doesn't have any healing properties. In fact, they tell you to stay away from it. <laughs> you cannot sprinkle some flour on a piece of raw chicken and eat it. And expect that the flour made it good. You're going to get salmonella. The flour wasn't what made it good. The flour isn't what cured the pot. It was the power of God. And he used the flour as an avenue. But it was God who healed the pot of soup. It was God who made the soup safe to eat. John 6 and 47 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus is referred to as bread several times in the scripture. 
Why? Because bread was the main food staple of those days. It kept people alive. Elisha said, bring me flour, and I'm going to put it in the pot. Don't dump it out. Don't waste time trying to fish the poison out. Let's add this flour, because God's going to do something awesome with it. The same can be said with us today. Don't throw out the pot. Don't waste time trying to fish out all the bad influences. But instead, add Jesus into the pot. Add Jesus into the life. This is what we have to do. We cannot leave this world until God says it's time. So what can we do? All we have to do is do our best to unpoison it. Our job is to neutralize the poison. To put more flour. To put more Jesus into this corrupted pot we call the world. And that's how the poison is going to become neutralized. Gotta do our best to unpoison it. We add Jesus into our life. Add more Jesus into our home. Add more Jesus into our job. We are not talking about evangelism per se. Although, yes, it does absolutely apply here. But when you have Jesus working in your life, that poison in the pot, which is the life, the world, it will become neutralized. The more Jesus you put in, the better and safer that soup is. The better life is the better the job will be. The more peaceful and godly the home will be. The more Jesus we put into it. You want your situation to change? You need to add Jesus. When you start displaying your Christianity to those who are there to try to destroy you, they're going to end up fleeing because they can't stand the Christ that's in you. They can't stand it. But when you start letting them know, oh, I'm a Christian. We're not talking about jumping up on the boss's desk and start giving a sermon. But we're talking about coming in and letting them know, oh, I'm a Christian. They ask you to work Sunday. They say, oh, no, I got church. I got to be in God's house. And that bad influence, things will begin to change there. And I remember that one story that the man of God had said. Uh, He was over in the serviceman's work. And I, I, I said something about this a couple weeks ago. And he was a cook there in the, uh, in the military. And he was upset because his last duty station, there were all sorts of Christians he got to work with. And it was a good time there. But then he went to a new duty station. And now in this kitchen, it's just full of sinners. And he just couldn't stand it anymore. And he's complaining to the man of God. I'm here and no one wants to, you know, they're all... Uh, filthy sinners and you know I don't want to be there and I liked it back when all, I worked with all the Christians and the man of God turned and said well that's why God has you there because they're sinners and they need the light and they need someone to tell them that Jesus loves them yes. and it changed the whole man's outlook going forth from then on he said you know what I'm going to stay here this is the pot that God has given me and I'm going to do my best to unpoison it and it is kind of funny that the man was a cook we're talking about the pot of stew but you know what God really blessed because what happened was uh, they had a revival and something had happened and they couldn't go out to fellowship but that man he was in charge of the chow hall and he said you know what come to the chow hall Oh no, they had service there in the chow hall. That's right. They had service there in the chow hall. 
of revival service. And afterwards, he said, you know what? I'm the manager of this chow hall. So he turned on the soda machines. He went into the walk-in refrigerator, grabbed all these pies and whatnot. And he said, we're having fellowship, courtesy of the U.S. government. Praise God. God was using that man. He's using that man to unpoison that kitchen, that job. And God is using us to unpoison our communities. He's using us to unpoison our families, our friends, our neighbors. We are the light shining on the hill that cannot be hid. It's time to clean house and step back. Look where God has us and understand that we are here to be a witness for him. To be, you know, that one verse, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will lift up a standard against it. We are that standard. The Spirit of God lifts us up to say, no, sin will not come past this line. No, no more sin in my family. No, I'm sick of the sin in my nation. We are the ones God has called. Did you know, and you guys do, some of you, that you know, I alluded to earlier that we are the reason God is continuing to have mercy on the world? But did you know that we are the only thing keeping the Antichrist from coming into power? We are the thing that's keeping the Antichrist, the physical manifestation of the Antichrist, from taking control. We are who? The church, the believers, the Christians. And here's some scripture for you. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who no letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. He, the church, taken out. When the church is raptured, we're taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. We will read about that there in Revelation. About the Antichrist, the false prophet, being consumed by God with fire. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. We are that standard right now keeping God from letting the Antichrist rise. Once we're taken up, that's when evil will take its control of this world fully until God steps back in. But we are, even if there's one Christian left, the Antichrist has no power until he be taken out of the way. But think about that. Think about this, how we're being used that way for mercy. And it's mercy. Because once the, once the rapture happens, once the Antichrist rises, there isn't hope for many people. Many people are going to miss out. God is using us to push back the darkness. He is using us to reach those on their way to hell. But we cannot become sick from the poison in the pot. We have a job to do today, church. We have a job to do. And I know we get tired. And I know we get frustrated. And I understand. But we've got to do something at least every day. We've got to at least try to invite somebody to church every day. We've got to at least try and call somebody and tell them about Jesus. Even if they don't live around here. Friends, 
family, somebody, call them and say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Time is running out. The pot is poisoned. But I'm going to do my best to neutralize that poison. We all saw all the turmoil that occurred last spring and summer. Why? Because of what a cop did? I don't believe that was it. It was because churches were shut down. Because a lot of stuff got very out of hand. And it wasn't just one side. There was so much going on. More than just a protest. There was counter-protest. And even right now, look, man, I have never seen so many news stories about gas stations and stuff being robbed. Ever in my life than we have going on right now. A, is because everybody's wearing masks and they know they can get inside a store without being seen. But that darkness in their heart. COVID has really hurt our nation. It has hurt our world. But I'm glad that Jesus is a healer today. He can heal the body. He can heal the mind. And He can heal our nation. There was so much going on because churches were shut down. But you know what? We're opening back up. We're opening back up. And Satan is not going to have a foothold in this city. He's not going to have a foothold in this country. And that's one thing I was excited about when churches were reopening. As you had a whole bunch of preachers who hadn't been able to really preach in months. Oh, they had time to think of messages. They had plenty of time to read the scripture. And one thing I realized is how precious soul winning was. Not being able to go out and tell somebody about Jesus was the most frustrating thing about the quarantines and the lockdowns. Not being able to go and tell somebody about the Lord. That's what's more frustrating. But now we're back, brethren. We're back in full force. We've got Easter coming up. We've got next Sunday coming up. We don't have to wait to Easter. We can wait to next Sunday. We've got conference coming up. Things are going to pick up. God is already on the move. When Jesus is not being preached, when people turn their backs on God or shoo away His hand, rest assured, sin and destruction is on the way. We need to put Jesus into every aspect of our lives. We have to put Him in our home. Even if you live alone, you got to put Him in your home. You need to put Him in the family, at work, especially make sure there is lots of Jesus in church. This pot, this pot that we've been given is poison, but we are going to make it good. We're going to make it tasty. We're going to make it satisfying. We're going to eat thereof. And the pot won't run out. It won't run out. And we, once we put that flour in, oh, it's going to go to work. It's going to go to work. It's going to begin to neutralize that poison. We have to put Jesus back in our lives. There, John 3, 3, chapter 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that he, but that the world through him might be saved. 
That's what we're doing. We're trying to save the soup. We're trying to save the pot. It's making people sick. But we're going to put some Jesus into it. We're going to put the Jesus into it. Sprinkle a whole bag. We're going to take that whole pound, the whole flour sack of Jesus, and dump it into the pot. It's going to be good. It's going to be good this morning. It's going to be good tonight. It's going to be good all week. Jesus is trying to save the pot. He is trying to fill us with his love and mercy. And it is our job as a spokesman of this generation to add the bread of life into the pot. If we do, our lives will change. The neighbor's life will be changed. And when the neighbor's life changes, the community changes. Our job will change because the boss has been changed. Our family will be changed because we were changed and so on and so on. Jesus is the answer for a poison pot today. Neutralizing the poison. That's what we got to do. Neutralize the poison. We can't walk away from it. We can't just put it down. It's there. We have to eat of it. We're in it. That's the only food we got. All we got to do is make it good. Make it good. As we bow our heads and close our eyes in reverence to him. Our communities, our jobs, our homes. What do they say? You can't you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. There's a lot of things we can pick in this world, but we can't pick being in this world. It's all around us. Jesus said, Father, don't take them out of the world. Keep them in it. Keep them in it, Father, but keep them from evil. God has called us to be the neutralizers. To take that flower that is the gospel, that good old flower that makes that delicious bread, to add it into the pot, to add Jesus into our life, our community. It's got to start with us first. We got to make sure we have Jesus on the inside. We got to make sure that the food we're eating has Jesus on the inside, that spiritual food. And then we can give to others. To our neighbors, our co-workers, our friends, our family. This is a call for revival. It is a call for evangelism. It is a call. Same one Paul heard. When he saw the man from Macedonia. Come and help us. Come and help us. There's someone out there calling out right now saying, Lord, send someone to help me. Lord, give me something to eat. Something spiritual to eat. Send somebody with that good soup. That good stew. Not that poison stuff. I'm sick of the poison stuff. I'm sick of it. 
sick of throwing it up and going back to it. I want something good, Lord. And we're going to be the ones to bring it. Let us find a place to pray. Let's seek the Lord. Let's pray. Let's see what He had laid on our hearts. And let's petition unto Him. Let's seek the Lord. Let's get Him in our life this morning.